Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. Now, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Enochian scrying, and specifically the scrying of the 30 Aethers, uh, which is one major component in the Enochian system that was created by John Dee and Edward Kelly. Now, as you're probably aware, uh, about a year ago, I published a book called The Winds of Wisdom, which was a record of my own scrying of the 30 Aethers in this particular system. Um, and at the back of that book was included uh, a methodology section to give you all the tools you would need to try these experiments yourself. And so uh, my goal today, in conjunction with, with that book, is to talk to you about the role of visionary experiences themselves. In other words, what's the point? Why would we bother doing it? Um, what's the utility? Uh, and also to give you some examples of the fruits of my own visions to give you a sense of, from my own you know experience, what it has done for me and how it has fed into my own initiatory path and my own uh, great work overall. And um, finally, and probably most importantly, I want to give you some of the tools that you can use to try these experiments yourself. Um, and don't worry about frantically taking notes. If you really want to do this, um, the uh, all the methodology that I'm going to be talking about today, all the steps and uh, complete charts of the various names you would need and the Enochian calls and, and so on is in the back of the Winds of Wisdom book, which is uh, now out in paperback. So um, let me start from the top and tell you a little bit about the Enochian system generally to give a little bit more background for those of you who may be less familiar. So... Um, John Dee and Edward Kelly um, were, well, John Dee was uh, the court magician and astrologer to uh, Queen Elizabeth I of England, a very well-known intellectual figure in his time. And in 1582, he began working with Edward Kelly, who assisted him uh, as the, the seer in these visions. And they worked together to create um, what has become known uh, collectively as, as the Enochian um, system. There are three major parts of this uh, system, one being the elemental watchtowers, uh, the other, the next being the uh, so-called heptarchic system, and finally the third component, which is what we're focusing on today, is known as the 30 Aethers. Um, All aspects of the system have their origin in what we would today call channeled communications uh, with angelic beings, or magicians might say they've had scryed these uh, um, astral realms and had communications with these entities. Um, But Dee and Kelly used that kind of process and uh, transcribed their communications, gradually expanding the system over the years. Um, Up to around 1587, when they got the completed version of their tablets, known as the Reformed Tablets of Raphael, and uh, that sort of was the capstone of, of their work in the system. Now, um, the thing is, they never really worked their own system much after it was completed. Uh, they had a falling out, and for various other reasons, never continued. It's really been up to modern practitioners, relatively modern, to uh, pick up where they left off. In the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, um, a lot of the Enochian system, especially the Watchtowers, was systematized and um, plugged into uh, 
various stages of the, the Golden Dawn's curriculum. Um, similarly, today in the Temple of the Silver Star, which is the order I administer and is a Golden Dawn uh, lineal successor with uh, a thelemic um, current plugged in at every phase of the work, um, we also include the Enochian system uh, gradually and progressively across the first order, and then we um, teach the full um, aspects of the system in the second order. Um, but all this is to say that it's really been left to modern magicians to, to flesh out the system, experiment, um, enhance our understanding of how to work the various aspects of the system. Uh, if you'd like a complete overview, uh, what I think is a relatively complete overview of, of the Enochian uh, corpus generally, in terms of a working methodology, I can't uh, recommend any book higher than um, Brother Lon Milo Duquette's book called Enochian Vision Magic. Um, what I'm talking about today and what I have put out in The Winds of Wisdom, however, specifically focuses on the, the scrying of the 30 Aethers. So again, that's going to be the main focus today. Now, one of the modern magicians who uh, experimented greatly with the Enochian system and, and uh, very fruitfully uh, was, of course, Aleister Crowley. Um, he had his initial exposure and training in the Enochian system within the Golden Dawn, but um, it really bore fruit for him in the series of visions which were published as the book called The Vision and the Voice. Um, this contained his visions of all 30 Aethers, and if you've looked at that, or if you, if you look at it uh, in the future, you'll see that this is um, not just a record of some crazy visions, it's a record of his own initiatory path, his own uh, initiatory process moving through these visions, and that is actually one of the major points I want to make to you today as we talk about this, that scrying the 30 Enochian Aethers is... Uh, an initiatory experience. Uh, I've never heard from anyone that I've known well and discussed this work in detail with who who was not uh, who did not grow from the experience, who did not have an initiatory type um, process underway. So it's a really powerful system. Um, yet it seems to me, from my experiences and from talking with others who have worked it. Um, that it's not dangerous. Uh, I don't think you need to have any level of anxiety about experimenting with this system, given some basic safeguards that we'll talk about. Um, it just seems that the entities involved have the best interests of humanity at, at heart and want to help people grow. So uh, take that for what it's worth. That's been my impression. And uh, Recommend you give it a uh, give it a try if you're so moved. Um, so, I did these scryings over the course of about four years. I believe it was between 2007 and 2011. And my intention starting out was to just move through fairly quickly to uh, maybe do several a week at some sort of pace like that. Um, but the funny thing that happened is that uh, I would get through a vision, record it, um, and plan on moving on to the next one, but then find that weeks or months would go by in many cases. But then when I went back to do the next vision, it was clear that 
the time off had been necessary for some inner growth, for um, internalizing the lessons that had been taught in the previous Aether to, uh, to integrate the material. And this happened over and over again in my visions, and you can see from the, the dates um, involved, if you, if you look in the Winds of Wisdom, the, the dates of the scryings uh, sometimes uh, are many months apart. Um, but eventually I finished and uh, went back and transcribed everything. Um, and one of the, the most interesting parts of this that we'll talk about today is the, the uh, findings of the transcriptions and how that came to me to be one verification of the results. Now, um, I've talked about encouraging you all to, to experiment here, um, saying this is not a dangerous system. And what I mean by that is that it seems that if you're not ready for a vision, the worst case scenario is typically that you just get results that are kind of crappy, kind of not, not that meaningful, um, almost as if there are safeguards in place within the system itself to, to help people um, not harm themselves or simply not get visions they're not ready to use constructively. Um, so uh, one more reason not to be too uh, anxious about trying any of these things. Now, I promised you I'd talk about the utility of visions overall, and so I want to say a word of, about that here. Um, it, you don't have to read very deeply into Crowley's work or into the work of other um, modern magicians who are talking about the history of magic or the, you know, the history of occultism generally. You don't have to look very deep into it to see that one of the common goals is to still the everyday ego mind enough to allow trans-rational, tr trans-ego truths to present themselves. In other words, to quiet the everyday mind and allow access to superconsciousness. So definitely one of the uh, benefits, one of the purposes of this work um, in general is as one avenue of accessing those superconscious uh, levels of functioning. Now, it's debatable, and it's fine with me for you to believe whatever you want to about this. It's debatable whether um, what we're doing is simply accessing aspects of the subconscious mind or we are truly accessing objective uh, realms that uh, appear or are actually are external to us. Uh, I don't care what you believe. My experience with this material um, suggested to me that uh, I was accessing definitely objective areas of the universe. Um, I, I can't fully explain how I could have had access to the material that came through in these visions somewhere deep in my subconscious. Um, so, you know, I'm a Jungian, so I can accept that, uh, that the collective unconscious has many mysteries not accessible to our everyday waking consciousness, but um, this had a character to it that was beyond almost anything I'd experienced before, um, short of my work with my holy guardian angel through the, the knowledge and conversation working and so on. So that's, that's definitely a, another example of something that felt way bigger than me, way bigger than my brain. Um, although as Lon Duquette says, you know, 
our brains are a lot bigger than we think they are, and, and generally that's a, a nice surprise. So as one piece of evidence um, uh, about this experience of it being beyond myself, beyond my everyday consciousness, um, I want to offer a couple, uh, a couple anecdotes. First of all, um, I was not fluent in the Enochian spoken language. So I was very familiar with the alphabet, very familiar with the tablets and how to work with them and how to open up certain angles and sub angles and so on. But, um, I would not have been able to, um, on the spot, translate and understand or speak Enochian language. So, um, I had these visions and, um, audio recorded my visions at the moment, went back much later and transcribed them. And this, what, what came through was cogent, meaningful Enochian language spoken in, in many paragraphs <laughs> worth. Uh, some visions had, had several paragraphs, some just snippets. Um, that's not something that I had learned and forgotten or would otherwise have had access to. This came from somewhere uh, that was beyond me. And uh, also the early Enochian passages and some of the early visions predicted things that were going to happen in later visions um, but I didn't translate the earlier visions until after I'd had the later visions. So it was saying, hey, watch out in the ninth day through this thing's going to happen. And it did. Um, and then only later did I realize, after translating, that it had been predicted. So I couldn't have fooled myself into just fulfilling an expectation of what was supposed to happen in, in later uh, visions. So that's all just to say that um, I found through these experiences some some inner um satisfying to me at least um, validation of the system and of the the reasons we bother to experiment with this to get information that's not normally accessible to our waking mind i was given um, gematria proofs that i never would have been able to to figure out myself i was given uh, formulae in particular sort of a triad formula of magic um, consisting of the concepts in, uh, which could be in Greek described as keros, topos, and nous, um, which you can read about in the book. And uh, I, I could not have figured this stuff out. Um, it, it's, it's way beyond what I could have formulated consciously and intentionally. So again, I was satisfied that this was something important that was beyond my, my everyday abilities. Um, Okay, so let's move on to some more practical considerations here, and I'll give you some tools for working the system. Uh, again, the details of the practical work here um, are all in the back of the book, so don't feel like you have to scribble all this stuff down as you're listening. If you just want it in writing, it's there in the book. Um, but you can also take what I'm giving you now and, and try it without the book. Um, so... Conceptually, the Enochian Aethers are often seen as concentric spheres with Earth at the center. So um, Earth is obviously a, a physically manifest reality uh, plane, if you will. And then the 30th Aether is the most dense um, of the 30 Aethers and is right next to Earth. The, the 
sphere that's closest in to the Earth at the center. And then next is the 29th, 28th, and so on, moving outward. So finally you get to the first aether at the, as the outermost of the concentric spheres. Now I was using an experimental model in my visions where um, these spheres uh, in sets of 10 corresponded to the 10 sephiroth of the, of the Tree of Life in Yetzira, Bria, and Atsaluth. Um, but I'm not going to go into detail about that right now. If you want to read more about that in the book, then you know if that's if you're inclined to to uh, geek out on the on the four worlds, then uh, there's material in there to do that. But suffice it to say that um, as you move through the visions from the center out, what's happening is that you're moving gradually through more and more rarefied realms of consciousness. You have to uh, progress in your um, spiritual refinement and an inward initiation in order to move from one to the next. And as I said, they seem to have safeguards in place, guardians in place, if you will, to make sure that uh, you're not allowed in somewhere you're not ready to be. Uh, in terms of practical techniques, you want to start by preparing the space as usual with uh, some sort of banishing, typically a lesser banishing ritual of a pentagram or star ruby is sufficient. Um, some sort of energetic amplification like a middle pillar or a star sapphire, something that's effectively a general invocation to power you up comes next. Um, the tools needed are minimal. Um, potentially, all you need is the tablet of union and the specific tablet on which the governor's uh, names who relate to the aether you're scrying appear. So uh, each aether has three governors, except for the 30th, it has four, and these are possibly entities, possibly formulae that govern, govern the uh, the aether, but in any case, you need to know these names to make maximal use of your scrying efforts. So in terms of the tools, you just need to have the tablet of union and then to know which tablets those governor's names appear on. And I put all that in a table in the book. Um, if we were doing the 30th aether today, which I often do as an, as an example when I'm teaching uh, classes on this or workshops on this, um, the names of the Governors of the 30th Aether come from the water tablet. So if we were doing the scrying today, we'd have the tablet of union and the water tablet out. Um, next, you use what's called the Enochian calls. And these are, um, there's 19 of them, and they are long paragraphs in Enochian that um, have specific effects uh, in terms of which parts of the Enochian elemental tablets they open up, but also some generically useful effects that I'll talk about here. So I start with what's known as the second call, and that I have found tends to open the magician up to uh, the influence of whatever atmospheres are invoked. In other words, anything you do after the second call is going, you're going to tend to be very receptive to it. So I would suggest that you do the second call and then move on to the call of the 30 aethers that corresponds to the specific aether you're working with. Now, the call of the 30 aethers, which is also sometimes called the 19th call, um, is the same for all 30 aethers, except you change out the name of the specific aether that you're trying to work with. So you do the second call to make yourself 
opened and receptive, then you do the 19th call keyed to the, the one aether you're working with. You can repeat these multiple times. You can read them in both Enochian and English because we do have translations for all of them. Um, but I recommend that you at least use the Enochian version. There's something, well, you'll see. Try and see. There's just something especially potent about reading it in Enochian. Um, also, um, I strongly recommend you get a hold of Donald Laycock's book um, called the Enochian Dictionary, um, which is has a English to Enochian, Enochian to English uh, translations of all the, the fundamental words and phrases. That uh, was extremely useful. Finally, as you do these visions, it's useful to know the attributions of the Enochian letters that spell the name of the Aether you're scrying. They have attributions just like the Hebrew or Greek letters that you're more familiar with, probably. Um, you can refer to Vision in the Voice to see how Crowley's visions match up with these attributions. But I've included a table um, in the book that shows the, the letter and its uh, gematria value and its correspondences. For example, uh, one letter might correspond to Venus, another to, to um, another planet, and so on. So when you know what these correspondences are, you can use them as keys to the vision. Um, for example, in the 30th Aether, the names of the Aether, uh, which is called Tex or Texe, as you might pronounce it in Enochian, uh, those three letters correspond to the moon, to Virgo, and to Earth. Um, you can think of those letters and all the attributions that might go with them. You can think of um, the tarot cards that would correspond um, to the moon and Virgo and Earth and visualize those. But this is all just to say that you've got a lot of material that you can use just based on knowing these letters to help you get into the vision, to help you make the most of it. So once you have, back to the methods here, once you have done the second call and the 19th call and you've repeated them, you can uh, chant the governor's names. Um, I often do this in, in group settings with having uh, some drums playing and uh, people repeatedly chanting the governor's names um, just to kind of get some energy flowing and repeated invocations. Uh, and then at some point when you feel like you've done enough of that, uh, it's time to actually start the scrying. So Generally, as a basic technique, all you really need to do is somehow become receptive to astral perception. For some people, that is the classic astral projection experience where you feel like you're leaving your physical body and moving into uh, an astral body that has consciousness. And then you, uh, I would suggest you just start rising straight up in that astral body and keep rising until you reach somewhere. This, all the usual um, suggestions that you can read about, that I talk about in terms of astral projection and scrying apply here. Uh, and I'll, I'll give a quick rundown of those uh, in just a second. But um, for some people, it's that astral projection process. At least that's subjectively how it feels. You're leaving the body and going somewhere to get a vision. For other people, it works well to simply have a, 
obsidian mirror or a bowl of water or a crystal of some kind that you look into and, and get the vision there. It, the method really matters a lot less than the results. And if you found something that works for you, uh, great. Don't worry about uh, having to do it a certain way for it to be valid. The validity will be determined as you start to get results and test those. You allow the vision to develop however it does. You might call for guides uh, and test those guides using the usual procedures. Um, and then um, sometimes repeating the governor's names helps. Sometimes seeing the Enochian letters that spell the Aether and visualizing those becomes a key. Or again, like I said, the tarot cards that would correspond to the letters of the name. Whatever works for you. When you feel like you're done, or when they tell you you're done, as sometimes happens, then you return to your body, uh, or return to everyday consciousness, however you've experienced it. And um, do some final banishings, um, clean up the space however you normally would, and, uh, and that's it. So um, what I did in terms of recording, you know, classically, there would be a second person in the room to be the, the scribe, and you would have that person writing down everything you said during your vision. But uh, we have the convenience these days of electronic devices that make this pretty easy to do solo. So I just had my phone in there, uh, made an audio recording of the visions. And um, the experience of doing that was often instructive in itself. Sometimes it felt like I was seeing something and describing it. Sometimes it seemed like I was hearing something spoken to me and reciting it back for recording. But other times it felt like I was, it was just speaking through me and I would say it and it was recorded. So the, the feeling of that differed from you know, time to time, from Aether to Aether, but uh, it was never boring. <laughs> it was always instructive. Um, but record it and that way you don't have to certainly don't want to think about typing or writing as you're having a vision. That would be very distracting. Um, so I recorded it and then transcribed later into my diary and uh, eventually into the book. Um, so I want to move before closing today to um, talking to you about um, the suggested methodology for astral work generally. As a reminder, I talked about this in an earlier episode about specifically um, astral projection and scrying. But I want to repeat a little bit of this here um, so you have it all in one place as you listen to today's episode. Um, and I'll, I'll go through this fairly quickly. Um, some tips. You want to avoid eating for several hours before the practice and avoid sexual release for about 12 hours before the practice. Prepare yourself via ritual bathing. Put on the robe and regalia of your degree or grade if you happen to be a member of a magical order, as desired. Um, perform preparatory relaxation and uh, gentle breathing exercises. Then, uh, assuming you're moving into doing this from an astral projection type uh, process, um, externalize magical or uh, etheric force. Externalize some energy in front of your body shape it into an etheric or astral double, make it look like you, sort of an idealized version of you as the adept or whatever, then transfer consciousness to the double, see through its eyes, 
look around, move around the room you're in just to get your bearings, and then start rising vertically as high as necessary to arrive at the desired quote-unquote location um, that you're trying to get to. Call for a guide uh, and test with the usual procedures like degree signs that should be answered, um, saying do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law, getting a cogent response there, Ask for names of anyone who shows up. Um, ask for the spelling of the name. Ask for the spelling of the name in a language you can calculate gematria on. That'll help you verify. Um, explore. Ask for more details. Ask for instruction, which might come verbally or in symbols, or um, you might get handed a book and you open it up and there's a, something to see in there. Happens a million different ways. But be persistent and ask for more if you don't understand and ask for clarification if you don't understand. Um, if you feel harassed at any point, enlarge yourself to huge proportions in the form of raw horquit. It's one fun um, suggestion I can give on that and give a big banishing pentagram. Um, things tend to leave you alone there. But I, I very rarely found that happening with any of this Enochian work. When you feel you're ready to conclude, the vision, uh, just will yourself to gently return to your physical body, feel yourself sit or lie back into your body, let your muscles gently move, give the sign of silence, visualize yourself in the God form of Harpocrates, and then again close with some, some banishings, um, traditional license to depart, something like, in the name of Rahurquid, I now set free any spirits which may have been imprisoned by this ceremony. Depart ye in peace under your abodes and habitations. Be there peace between us, and be ye ready to come when called. So that's it. As I said, this is uh, quite simple when, when you look at it. You don't need many tools. You um, just need familiarity with a few of the basic concepts here in terms of understanding that the Aethers have governors and understanding what order to do them in and um, some of this basic, basic methodology. Now, obviously, the more training and preparation you've had in terms of doing a, a good banishing, in terms of astral projection or other types of scrying techniques, uh, in terms of your own ability to control and direct magical force and, and your own magical energy. The more experience you've had uh, doing those things, the more you'll get out of this for the most part. Now, some people are extremely naturally gifted for these kinds of visions and others aren't. So don't, uh, don't get frustrated if you're one of those that it, it doesn't come that naturally to. That's not uncommon and it's trainable. It's something you can get better at. I, would be, uh, I, I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't know that a lot of people can get better at a lot of these skills. Um, because I've seen them do it. And I've done it myself. You know, I, I improved uh, a great deal over the years um, due to persistent training and, and refining. Um, so, uh, again, all of this in terms of the methodology is packaged together pretty neatly at the back of the Winds of Wisdom book. Um, you can get that from Amazon. Um, you want to just find links to everything, you can go to livingthelema.com, uh, find links to this in the, the Living Thelema book. And um, I do still have, uh, at the time of this recording, some uh, of the limited uh, hardcover editions of The Winds of Wisdom. You can write to me at david at livingthelema.com if you want to get one of those uh, signed and sent to you. 
Um, and then, um, of course, that same email address, david at livingphilema.com, is great um, to write to if you have any suggestions for future podcast episodes. I've had some really good ones lately that I'm going to be excited to, uh, good, good suggestions that I'm going to be excited to present to you in the coming months and other uh, episodes. So uh, please do let me know if you have ideas. Um, I love to hear from you. And of course, to get your feedback on any of the existing episodes, all of which are archived at livingphilema.com under the resources tab at the top. So um, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope that you will um, consider experimenting with scrying the Enochian Aethers uh, on your own. And that if you do so, uh, it brings you much fulfillment and uh, progression in your own great work. Love is the law, love under will.